This is Cabernet and True Crime, the place where good wine and true crime come together. Hi pals. There's a no better way to start this than the fact that I feel like I have been killed, revived, killed again, and then revived again. Yes. <laughs> I thought I had food poisoning. My boyfriend's mom said that we had the flu. I'm not sure entirely what the fuck happened to me, but I lost like three days of my life there, and I lost 10 pounds as well. So um, in case you didn't need to know, or in case you needed to know, I didn't need to lose 10 pounds, first of all. S- second of all, that's just, I, listen, whatever it was, I would not wish that upon my greatest enemy because it was just a literal nightmare. So, I'm here, I'm back in the podcast closet. Um, My life is a mess, my room is a mess, my closet's a mess, and Christmas is coming, my friends. So, with that being said, the 24th, I had originally scheduled a post for that day. It is going to be canceled, and I'm going to be taking the 24th off because... Mama needs a break, and I need to get caught up on the lists of things that I have not accomplished yet. So with that being said, I hope you all have a Merry Christmas, because I will not be around for the 24th True Crime Tuesday episode. I'm sorry in advance. It really hurts my soul to have to cancel it. But like, listen, Linda, I just, you know what, if I don't take a break and like slow down for a second, um, that sickness might come back. I feel like it's not completely gone yet and it's just lurking around the corner of of whatever to try and take me again. <laughs> like, I really, I really don't want to get sucked into that again. Let's just say it was a bad time for everybody involved. Um, But with that being said, though, we are having our Serial Killer Sunday episode. Sorry, it's a little late in the day. Normally, I like to have these posted at around 9-ish. But um, I'm recording this at 4.50. You'll hear it as soon as I'm done recording it. And I had to go watch the Browns lose first before I could... (laughs) (laughs) before I could record this, so sorry. Had to watch the Browns lose to the Ravens miserably because I'm a diehard Cleveland fan because I live here, so woohoo! Yeah, um, I don't know why we even went and watched the game. I mean, I didn't go to the game because, God forbid, I'm not dealing with the Muni lot. No. We went to a bar to watch the game and then came home. So, um, I'm here now. The Browns lost, in case you were curious. Sorry if I'm ruining it for you if you had that if you had that riveting game taped and you're planning on watching it later. The Browns lose. If you hoped they were gonna win, or for some reason this whole like the Browns are gonna make it to the playoff. They're not. They never were. I don't know why anybody ever thought like I'm a realist, first of all. No, the Browns are ever making it to the playoff. So <laughs> that's my little, uh, yes, that's why we're so late today. Um, so today we're going to be talking about Harry Powers, which um, I personally knew nothing about. These are the ones that I like, the ones that I've never heard before, because if I've never heard of them before, likely it is likely that you have also never heard of them before. And like, that's my jam. I don't like to talk about true crime that everybody else has already talked about because it's so overdone and so overplayed. And it's boring to me because I don't want to hear about the same thing 35 times. 
You dig? So today we're talking about Harry Powers. Um, he was born as Herman Drenth on November 17th, 1893. And I'm not even going to try to say the name of the town because I know I cannot. He was born in the Netherlands. Um, so he was a Scorpio. We know what that's all about. Um, he went by Harry Powers as well as two other aliases, which we'll get into later. And he eventually becomes a Dutch American serial killer. Not ruining anything for you. Not spoiling the surprise. So, like I said, he was born in 1893 in the Netherlands, and in 1910, his family immigrated to the United States and briefly settled in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, living there for 16 years. So I guess briefly is not the right word for that. Um, 16 years settled in Iowa before coming to a stop in West Virginia in 1926. In 1927, Harry married a woman named Luella Strother. Um, she owned her own farm and grocery store, and Harry had responded to her Lonely Hearts ad, um, which if you, like, kind of, we've had a couple Lonely Hearts killers on this podcast. Um, basically, a type of Craigslist killer is what I would call it today, um, but someone responding to, like, a I want to be married type ad, or I'm looking for a suitor type ad. Um, yes. So it's, if it, this is a whole weird concept to you, which it shouldn't be by now, but if it is, there's a couple ones you can go back and look on. Um, there's been a few. <laughs> I was going to give you an example, but there's been a couple of them. Um, so even though Harry was married now, he was still taking ads out in the Lonely Heart section of the newspapers, which were apparently very popular. He received a ton of support a ton of supplies, that's not the right word, a ton of replies, so I'm talking 10 to 20 letters a day. Um, he made a large garage and basement in his home, which were later found to have a sinister purpose. Um, plot twist, but not a plot twist, that's where he did the murdering, because nobody just builds a random garage for no reason other than the fact that they're probably murdering people in it. Or storage, I guess. I guess, or storage if they want to store things there, I suppose. Usually people aren't straight to murdering, but if somebody's building a garage, I suspect they're murdering people in it, because that's just where my... <laughs> that's just where my brain goes, straight to murdering. Um, he used the alias Cornelius O. Pearson to write to a woman named Asta Eicher, who was 50. Um, she was a widowed mother of three, living in Park Ridge, Illinois. He had gone to visit her and her children, aged 14, 12, and 9, on June 23, 1931, and left with Asta for several days, leaving the three children under the care of a family friend sitter. Um, the woman cared for Asta's children until she received a letter saying that Pearson was, and I use air quotes, Pearson was going to pick up the children so they could join him and Asta. He got there and sent the children to withdraw money from their mother's bank account, but they returned with nothing because the signature on the check that, quote, Pearson had given them was forged. Harry left nervously with the children and told concerned neighbors when they ultimately disappeared that Asta and her children had gone on a trip to Europe. Plot twist, they didn't. Um, Harry Powers then began talking to another woman named Dorothy Lech Lemka, um, she was 50, who had also placed the Lonely Hearts ad. She was from Northboro, Massachusetts. Um, he brought her to Iowa to be married. She withdrew $4,000 from her bank account. Um, she had noticed at one time, which 
clearly weird enough to mention to a friend, perhaps, that her luggage was strangely shipped to the address of a Cornelius Pearson in West Virginia, not to Iowa, where Powers claimed to live. So basically, she had sent her luggage to a different place than where she thought ultimately she was ending up. Dorothy disappeared shortly after her affairs with Harry Powers. On in August of 1931, police were looking into Asta and her children's disappearance. They knew about this Pearson guy and had their suspicions. They found love letters, which led them to where, quote, Pearson lived, but just found Harry Powers and his wife. Because, um, obviously, Cornelius Pearson was not a real person. Harry was arrested and his home was searched. This is where they found the murder rooms, which I told you about. Um, underneath Powers' garage, uh, there were four murder rooms in total. Bloody clothing, hair, a burned checkbook, and a small bloody footprint of a child were found in the said murder rooms. As word spread about um, the discoveries, civilians began to show up at the scene while police were tearing up the surrounding yard, finding the bodies of Asta Fisher and her children, as well as Dorothy Lemke. They also found more love letters in the trunk of um, Harry Powers' car, all with the same scenario that he had used to lure the current victims with. So basically, uh, let's meet up and get married, and then I'm going to murder you, which I'm assuming he didn't tell people. I don't know. He might have. <laughs> Maybe that was just what they were, they were like, fuck yeah, end me. I doubt that. But, you know, you never know. Some That could have been. You never know. So, in September of 1931, September 20th to be exact, there was a lynch mob trying to take Powers from the jail, which was broken up with fire hoses and tear gas. He was moved to the West Virginia State Penitentiary. Um, Harry Powers' trial lasted for five days, and he was held in a local opera house to accommodate the number of spectators that came to his crime, or his trial, not his crime. Nobody saw his crime, I don't think. On December 12th, 1931, he was sentenced to death and was hanged on March 18th, 18, or sorry, 1932. He was 38 years old. And that, my friends, is the quick, short, sweet story of Harry Powers. Um, he had a nickname, but apparently I never wrote that down. So probably a bluebeard, I would assume. That's typically what these type of men in that day were called. Because marrying people and poisoning them off or killing them for their inheritance, like, really wasn't that uncommon back in the day. Um, because of just the lack of technology, I'm assuming, and the distance between people and how, I mean, I think between the, like the late 1800s and like the 1930s, there was a lot of moving around, like people moving from east to west and west to east and up north and south, like people spread out quite a bit. And if you didn't keep in contact with your family members, I think it was easy to get lost and like for that information to get lost. And it was really easy for somebody to be like, oh yeah, sorry, you know, Bessie's sick. She can't write to you, but like I'm writing to you in her stead. And it would just, I think it was almost easier back then for people to get away with this kind of thing because now people would definitely know if so-and-so went missing or they just disappeared off the face of the earth it was hard to track back then but I do think there's a lot of cases of these people getting caught because I mean a lot of these people were clumsy and sloppy with their work so like yeah Harry Powers I mean obviously it's very unfortunate that Harry Powers got as far as he did but I mean he he wasn't like a masterminded killer, if that makes sense. He was bad at it, which is good for everybody else. Bad for the people he met and tricked into marrying him, but good for the rest of society, I suppose. I think it's really upsetting that children had to die in this case. I don't know. 
it's just, it's all dark, and there has to be some bright side to it that luckily he was an idiot, I suppose, and he didn't get do worse things than he already did. Yes, so that is Harry Powers. This was your Serial Killer Short on your Serial Killer Sunday. Late, but not forgotten. I hope you all have a wonderful holiday. Um, no matter what you celebrate, non-denominational, happy winter solstice if you celebrate that. I know it was yesterday, but happy winter solstice regardless. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. I'm not sure when Kwanzaa is. That's my own fault. Um, but happy Kwanzaa if it hasn't happened, and happy Kwanzaa, happy belated Kwanzaa if it already did. And um, happy any other non-denominational holiday you celebrate. And I will see you with your first uh, True Crime Tuesday. Although I still think I'll be here for your Serial Killer Sunday on the 29th. So don't, don't fret. But I think I'll be back for the True Crime Tuesday on the 31st. So um, I'll see you just before the new year. Um, that's it. <laughs> Bye.